It's time to dig in and discuss the questions on the minds of today's leaders. You are listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. This is where we get vulnerable, raw, and authentic about the stuff that really matters. Now, here is your host, Kathleen Reeson. Hello, and welcome to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and we're here on Inspired Choices Network. And today we're talking about something that I am pretty excited about. It's about the common sales mistakes that leaves millions on the table. I'm talking dollars, millions of dollars on the table. Now, just know I am not a sales trainer. Okay? I do not go out and teach sales for a living. I am an executive advisor that works side by side with executives as they're in disruption or complexities of running their business. And so one of the things that I see both in my own business, as I do my executive advising, my coaching, the speaking about these kinds of things, is I have this challenge. Sometimes I can tell when my when my sales aren't closing, it's generally because of this challenge. And I see it in others around me. So I'm going to give you some examples of companies that have used this, this challenge. Let's call it something that's not working. And when we flip the script and we use this other way of speaking, we create dramatic results. And the reason that I'm calling this forward as a show today is because this is so prevalent. And it's a gap in most of our companies. And it's something that we get to be aware of. So this is a conversation I've had a ton with my clients lately, again, and with myself. And this is why we're addressing it today. So the the challenge is, the mistake, is that we are using solution-based selling rather than pain-based selling. So solution-based selling is selling upward. It's selling aspirational. So think about if you're going to drive a premium car. So Lexus, Jaguar, Mercedes, something that's got a really high price tag, just starting out a premium car, then they're going to sell it based on aspirational. And so for some brands, this works. Hear me, for some brands, aspirational selling works. But for most brands, it's pain-based selling. So let me give you an example of this. Before I had kids, I mean, this was right before I had kids. I was not pregnant yet, but I was at a, I had a, a, or no, I had, what did I have? I just had a car. Okay. I had a regular car and I wanted a new vehicle, but I knew that soon my husband and I would start looking at kids, having kids. So we wanted something that was going to prepare us for a child. So it would set us up that, that it would work, that we could put a stroller in the back, but it wasn't something that was top of mind for us. So we're going around looking at cars and we look at what I'll consider normal cars. So just like your Fords, your Nissans, your Hondas. So we were just looking at kind of average cars. And then we thought, let's go look at some luxury premium cars. And we started to drive this Jaguar. Now this Jaguar was really nice. I was pretty excited to drive this Jaguar. And you put your foot on that pedal, the accelerator, and you just shoot forward. This was a really awesome car. And just this weekend, I told my husband, gosh, I really would like a performance-based car, but I'm not sure that my driver's record could support a performance-based car because uh, I have a little bit of a lead foot. I like to move. So here I am, this is years ago, I'm driving this Jaguar. I'm thinking, this is pretty nice. Now the trunk on this thing is so tiny. No way would it fit a stroller, but wow, did it feel great. So we go in, we just, we finished the test drive of the car. My husband and I both are like, wow, that was really nice. Now the car dealer, he didn't ask us any questions. He went right to aspirational. 
And he says to us, wouldn't it be great if you could drive this around and show all your friends how well you're doing? And my husband and I looked at each other and we just bust out laughing because that's not what drives us now. And it's certainly not what drove us then. We really were just, just having fun with this car. We thought, well, that'd be kind of fun to test. And we really did enjoy the test drive, but we had no intentions of buying this vehicle because it didn't fit a stroller and it wasn't what we perceived a family car to be. And that was really the next car that we were purchasing. Getting a car seat into this Jaguar would not have been comfortable. I mean, the, the second set of doors were a little tinier. And so really just maneuvering a car seat, there was just no practicality about this car. But the car dealer did not go into details and ask us questions about what we were looking for in a car and what pain we were looking to solve. He just assumed, if they're in this luxury car dealership and they want to drive this Jaguar, it must be because they want to look really cool in front of their friends or they want to drive the Jaguar around and everybody say, ooh, they have a Jaguar. They must be doing really well or whatever it was that he was creating. He was projecting his belief on what success meant onto us instead of asking questions. Now, I did this a lot when I started my first business. In fact, I had somebody ask me the other day, what lessons have you learned as an entrepreneur over the last 14 years? It was, it was such a big question. Oh, wow. But the biggest lesson I've learned is how to speak into pain, not into solutions or aspirations. I don't just tell somebody how to solve their problem and paint it for them. I get to have them live in their pain. So let me paint this for you. When I first started my business, what this looked like. Okay, so I was very much in the solution-based. I had the answer. And I did not use this pain-based methodology. So I would go into a client's office and I would say, okay, so what's your problem? And they would say something like, oh, we want to increase our market share or, uh, oh, our branding needs to be updated or whatever it was, because my first business was an advertising agency. And then I would go into how we could do that really well, how we'd done that in other situations. So I thought, oh, I'll present case studies or testimonials and they'll see if they want to get market share, they can see that, well, we've gotten market share in all these other areas. And so here, here's a solution for you, buy the solution. And what I realized was that we weren't winning. And I couldn't figure it out because we had proof and we heard them, the client say, hey, we want to grow. And we showed them how we could grow. Why weren't we winning? And then I asked a few of these prospects, hey, why don't you pick us? Now, this was really hard because it was real direct, honest feedback. And at the time, I, yes, I wanted to hear it, but I wasn't really in the position to hear it because I was still internalizing that feedback at that time. Now, we've talked a lot about this on the show. I've grown tremendously in this area, and you can too. And the thing about feedback is it's neutral and it's really there. It's just somebody's opinion. It may or may not be relevant. But here's the thing. If you hear one piece of feedback once, great. Okay. You hear it twice. Okay. I'm going to really start to, to hear it. If I get the same piece of feedback three times, perhaps I should listen. Well, that's what happened. I started asking these prospects. So why, why didn't we get selected? And I heard the same thing over and over and over again. And they'd say, well, Kathleen, you and your team, you didn't ask any questions. You didn't ask what the real pain was. 
you didn't dig deep and understand how we saw the problem. And I saw this light pop up in my mind, like, ooh, (laughs) okay, got it. That was truly a light bulb moment for me. And then I had a mentor who said to me, when you are in sales conversations, the one who talks first and the one who talks the most loses. And so I learned how to shut up in sales conversations and just really listen and hold people in their pain. What I mean by that is, I would say, tell me about what's going on in your business. Tell me about what that's costing you. Tell me about what you see the challenges. Tell me about where you want to be. And so all these tell me questions where I'm getting more and more and more information. And then at the entire end of our conversation, I may say, you know what? I think we can support you. And I may say, I don't think we can support you, but here's somebody that might be able to, I'd be happy to make an introduction. Or I may say, thank you so much for your time today. I learned a ton about you. I am not the fit for you. And let me consider how I can support you or my team can support you in moving forward, but it's not going to be with us in the contract. So I got a lot smarter about when we use pain-based selling and we're just listening. So we talk a lot about emotional intelligence on this show. This is the value of listening. And so really getting clear on what their problems are. And then I realized when I wasn't doing this originally, I would present these case studies about how we could solve market share problem. But here's the thing. When somebody tells you, this is my problem, oftentimes there's actually something underneath that's the problem. Then you got you to gotta solve the underneath problem, not the one on top. So they might say it's market share that we want. But in reality, when you're digging and asking these questions, tell me more about that. Well, what does that look like? You see, oh my gosh, it's actually the offerings that they have aren't matching up with their audience or they're not clear on who their audience is or they're playing in one area. But if they just moved over a little bit and played in a different area, wow, what a difference it would make. What a difference it would make. And so oftentimes you can hear these things when you start to ask questions and when you start to dig deeper. The thing is, because it seems like kind of obvious, well, okay, all I got to do, Kathleen's saying, I got to ask these questions, dig in and really understand people's pain. And then they'll, then I'll close at a higher rate. Well, yes, that is all true. But here's the thing. The bigger question is, why do we not like to hold people in their pain? Because what I know to be true is that we want to move out of that pain so quickly and go into solution-based selling because that's comfortable. Seeing somebody else in pain isn't comfortable. Somebody else burying their dirty laundry or airing it out into the world, that's not comfortable. It's not comfortable for them. And it's certainly not comfortable for us if we really hold them there. And so the, the challenge is we, as somebody who's going in and talking to a company and understanding their problems and their challenges, we get to hold them there. Now, let's just look at this from a global perspective, because this is something I was talking about right before the show, is that why wouldn't we want to hold people in their pain right now? Because I believe we're in a time where we're in this major reset. And I'm not talking about the great resignation or we've heard all kinds of buzzwords. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that there is a big shift happening 
right now in the executive space. Because here's what's happened over the last few years. We have been in a constant state of disruption. Constant. I mean, every single moment has been disruption after disruption after disruption. Interruption after interruption after interruption. Pivots. Pivot. Pivot. And just when we think that we can take a breath, then our employees want to leave. But we thought we were holding them tight. We got to change that. So there was just been constant reinvention. And so now what I'm seeing happening with what's described as, we'll call it the end of COVID, depending on where you stand on COVID. And you may have said it happened a year ago. You may say it's not happening yet. For the sake of this conversation, the actual date to which the pandemic, where it's at right now, whether it's ended or near the end or whatever that that verb is around the pandemic for you, for the sake of this conversation, it means that the challenges that we were facing two years ago and a year ago and six months ago are not the challenges we're facing now. And for most of the people that I've talked to, we've actually gotten a chance to take a breath, just a real big deep breath and say, what was that? <laughs> what did we just walk through? And now we get to come face to face with the reality of the prices that we're paying for the last two years. And as executives, a lot of us are saying, whew, okay, I may have picked up some habits over the last two years. I may have put the smile on my face when in reality, there's some work I get to do for myself because some people are tired. Some people have picked up addictions. Some people have picked up healthy addictions, <laughs> exercise or eating healthier. And some people have picked up addictions that aren't serving them, alcohol, food depression and anxiety have come along with that. And so it really leads us into a really interesting space to say, oh, I've got my own pain and I don't want to face that. So when I'm going into these sales conversations, if I hold somebody else in their pain, I can see how uncomfortable it is. I'm holding myself in my pain and I just don't want to do that. So let's just talk solutions. Let's just talk end game. We don't want to go into pain. And that is a challenge. That's why we don't want to do pain-based selling. Because we get to be vulnerable and authentic and wrong. When you're hearing somebody else's pain, you're feeling it. And we don't like the feeling of pain. It's very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Now, I was in a client the other day, and they said, I'd be happy to work with you, Kathleen, but I don't want to be uncomfortable. And I... I did my best not to, to laugh or smile because I wasn't laughing at them. But I said, okay, before we even sign any sort of agreement, we get to be clear that the process that we're going to walk through is not uncomfortable because never in the history of ever has growth happened while we're comfortable. So you get to make a choice. Are you willing to be comfortable or are you willing to be uncomfortable? Which is it, which is it going to be? And so this is the same choice that if you really want to do pain-based selling, you get to be uncomfortable. I want you to think about that. Which one is better for you? Which choice are you making? We're going to go on a commercial break. And when we get back, if you are somebody that's saying, you know what? I just want to be comfortable. That's cool. I'll just sell solutions all day. Awesome. Love you. And you can just like hang up. We're good. But if you say that, wow, I do really want to dig into pain-based selling. Maybe this is something that I get to work on. Awesome. We'll be back just after this commercial break. You're listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. And I'll talk to you in just a little bit. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson Show? 
Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. We've been talking all about this common sales mistake that's costing you millions and you're leaving millions on the table. And it's that we speak in a solution-based selling versus a pain-based selling. And so if you're still listening, if you're here, then I'm going to, I'm going to go forward as if you have said, okay, I would really like to understand pain-based selling. I'm going to give you an example of this. So a couple of weeks ago, it started to get nice. I live here in Iowa in the Midwest, and it started to get nice. Like the weather was nice. It was warmer outside. And I noticed a few ants crept up. Now, every spring, a few ants appear in our house. It's no big deal. We just spray them, and then they, they go away. It's fine. But this year, there were more than a few. And it was right along our bathroom door. It would, they were following the bathroom door line. And I was pretty grossed out. I'm like, ugh, ants in our, our house. They're right by our kitchen. They weren't really in our food, but still, it was disturbing to me and to my children. My husband, he gets the spray out. He's like, okay, I'll take care of it. And the next day, there were more. And it just didn't seem to be working, the things that we had done in the past. So I thought, okay, we're, we're going to do something about this. And so I call up two different companies. First one I call is a company that I would normally work with. I'd heard about them before. And I call them up. And their phone line says, hey, we're having issues with our phone. So answering message. So just go online and enter this form. I thought, oh, I'm, I'm not sure that I want to do that. I just really wanted to talk to somebody about my ant problem. And so I go to the next person. I call the next person up, this next company. And it's this random dude. I thought it was a bigger company with a bigger brand. It's this random guy. He answers the phone. And he says, yeah, what can I do for you? <laughs> Hello, is this, is this the company I called you? Yeah, that's, that's us. And I said, do, do you guys treat ants? And he says, yeah, I got a two-week wait. I said, two weeks for my ants that are bothering me today. Now I'm a patient person, but these ants I called because I want them out. And he says, yeah, two weeks. I said, okay, thank you, and hung up. So then there are lots of other companies, but I decided to go back with the first one. I fill out the web form, and right away, this person gets back to me. I mean, I got this call right, right away. Hey, sorry that I, you probably left a message or tried to leave a message with us, but 
and they were very nice. And the customer service was great. It's a Wednesday when we're having this conversation. And she says, hey, I could have somebody out on Friday. Does that work for you? Now, in an ideal world, I would have loved to have them out 10 minutes from when I talked to her. But I understand that it does take some time. And so I said Friday. I set the appointment for Friday. Now, I rearranged my schedule. I was all excited for these people to come. I told my kids, guess what? The ant people are coming on Friday. Now they're all excited. My youngest even puts a piece of paper up on the bathroom door, closes the door, shuts it, he, he locks it, and he puts a sign that says out of order until the ant people come on Friday. So he was just as disturbed as I was. Now, in reality, it's probably like 40 ants, but still, that was a lot. I'm used to maybe four or five in my house. At this point, they're, they've turned the corner around the bathroom and they're headed into the kitchen. So I'm seeing progression of ants. Now, my dad, he, in the, between Wednesday and Friday, he comes over and he starts saying, oh, have you looked, have you gone downstairs and looked up to see if there's anything underneath? Because there was a room downstairs in this little HVAC room and it's dark. He says, maybe there's an ant colony in there. I said, dad, why would I want to go downstairs and look up if there's an ant colony? I don't want to see it. The ant people can see that on Friday. I don't want to see it. So it was a tough few days, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. So Friday comes and this, this guy shows up and I'm really excited. My husband's on a call. He's working. He has nothing to do with this. These are my aunt people, my thing. So this guy comes in and I made this decision before he came in that, you know, we had a few spiders that come into our basement and we live in Iowa. It's a basement. There's grass all around our house. There's going to be spiders. It's not really that big of a deal, but we're talking like four or five spiders and my kids don't really like spiders. I don't really care that much, but I know it bothers them. And there's a bathroom downstairs that they don't even use because once a spider was in it. And I thought, oh, maybe while I have the ant guy here, I should ask him about spiders. So this guy comes in and he says, okay, so tell me about your ant problem. And I show him where the ants are and I, I show him the pattern. He goes, oh yeah, I see that. He says, how much is this bothering you? I said, well, enough that I would call you. He goes, okay, so tell me all the places the ants have been. I said, well, usually they appear at the front door. I have seen some there, but the spray that we normally use, that took care of it. And I was able to wipe them up. It's all good. And the guy, he kind of smiled, but he saw that there was an issue that didn't have, usually it wasn't a big deal, but obviously it was a bigger deal now for what we've got going on with these ants. So he noticed. And then he says, well, look at this trail of the ants. They're turning this corner and it looks like they're going to go all the way down. And he showed me the trail that he believed that the ants were going to go to. And he goes, tell me about any other insects in your house or any other pests, because they call them pests. Any other pests that are in your house? Do you have wasps? I said, well, you know, a few out outside, not in our house, but a few outside every year. That's just a, a thing. And he goes, what about spiders? I said, well, funny, you should mention that. I was actually going to ask you, because we do get some in the basement. My kids get disturbed by that. So maybe we should talk about that, too. And he kept digging and asking me more questions. He says, what about rats? I said, no, 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 no rats. Thank goodness, no rats. And so he asked me, we probably spent about 15 minutes just going through different pest concerns, all that. And he says, well, I have a recommendation for you. I said, oh, okay, let me hear it. And he says, well, since you've got a couple different pests identified, which would be the ants and the spiders, he says, I recommend our year-round program. I said, well, tell me about this year-round program. And he says, well, we'll spray today. We'll take care of the ants' problems that we came for. And we'll take care of this so that this isn't an issue anymore. But what I know 
is that this year in Iowa and everywhere else in the country here in the United States, or, and really in the world, so if you're hearing this, this is your fair warning, it, when you have the winter weather like here, we didn't get as cold and have as long of a cold period as we normally do, which kills off a lot of the hives and the colonies. We just didn't have that this year. And so the ants will be worse this year. That's why we're seeing what we're seeing. So he gave me the data to support what was going on. Now I felt educated. And so I really appreciate it because he recognized that I like that kind of education. Hence, 15 minutes of digging on our challenge. So he feeds me back the information the way that I fed it to him. And he says, because this is going to be a rougher year, you're going to see more wasps nests. When he said that, I thought of my oldest child who is really afraid of wasps, does not want to have anything to do with them. He says, there's going to be more spiders. I thought, oh no, the kids aren't going to use the basement if there's more spiders. And the ants, while we fix them this time, they'll come back. And all of a sudden, this year-long program is looking pretty darn good. He said, so well, what do you do with this year-round program? Because we come out every other month and we'll spray. But if something happens in the meantime, you just call us up. I said, well, what do you do in the winter months? Because, you know, I don't have ants in the winter months. I don't have spiders in the winter months. He goes, oh, in the winter months, we'll get up into your attic. We'll do these dustings because the dusting is really what brings them in. So we're going to take care of that. And he just rattled off all the stuff that they do around our house. On the outside, they do this perimeter check. They hang a little rat trap and, oh, termites. Now, we don't have termites. It's, termites is not something I'm even concerned about. But they protect us so that we don't have to worry about termites. And I'm thinking, oh, this all sounds pretty good. Well, what does it cost? So we start going into the cost conversation. He says, well, I can come out today and just do the ant thing. Just take care of your ants and it's this price. Or I can come out for the entire year. You'll pay less than what you're going to pay for today for our initial service. And then you'll come out and it's about half the price to come out every other month. And we'll come out for the rest of the year. It's a one-year agreement. And I'm thinking, well, this is not bad at all. So I sign on the dotted line. And later on, when I picked up my kids from school, I said, I got you a present today. And I think they probably thought we were going to Disney World. But no, it was even better. I said, I got you a pest protection service. They looked at me like perhaps I was crazy. And I said, no, no, this means no spiders, no ants. This is going to be great. They were so excited about this pest protection service. And here's the thing. If the guy had started out when he walked into the house and he said, hey, what would it be like if you could pick up your kids today and tell them you bought a pest protection service? Excuse me, what? Why would we, what? That's solution-based selling. And as funny as that is, that's how a lot of us are doing it. That's how when I first started out, that's what I was doing. I was the equivalent to walking in like that pest man and, I, and saying, hey, you know what? We have gone to every other house on the block and we have, had, we have offered them pest protection and you're going to buy it too because it's going to be great. And think about, you would have no pests. Solution-based selling. But remember, I like the information. I like the education. That doesn't give me any of that. So instead, he went to pain-based selling and he asked me about my pain of my ants. He dug into the spiders. Now, this is a little bit more simplistic because you don't really have, especially for him, that this ant man, he doesn't really have the pain around that. So it's not as hard for him to hold the pain. But imagine. If you're speaking with somebody who's really struggling to figure out where, how they get to move forward, 
you, you get to really dig in there and be there with them. And especially in service-based industries, which a, a lot of us, what I'm in, service-based industries, you either, you either get to figure it out or not because your, our minds are really what create a lot of these, these answers and the intellect and the knowledge-based industries too. We, we get to figure this out. And if we're struggling, oftentimes there's a big challenge within our companies. That's what I saw when I was running my advertising agency. For sure. Because if I wasn't getting into the pain of what it was really in my way to, to grow that company, the company wasn't going to grow. And so think about your company and think about, think about what's in the way from your selling. So from a pain-based or a solution-based, which one do you lead with? Are you willing to hold somebody in their pain? Are you willing to ask the questions? Are you willing to listen to the answers? And are you willing to stay there? Like the Ant-Man who stayed there for 15 minutes. But when we're in pain-based selling in service-based industries, or I mean, in other industries too, but we're specifically talking about service-based today or knowledge-based industries even, you can have pain-based conversations where you're really listening for the pain for weeks or months, depending on how long the sales pipeline is for you, how long that lead is. But you could be in a conversation like on the phone or in person or on Zoom or go to meetings. So virtually or in person, you could be having a conversation for like an hour or two hours, just uncovering pain. I talked with somebody the other day who was a potential executive coaching client for me. And I was asking about the pain. And it was, it was a solid hour and a half of just this person talking about the pain and going through what this pain was costing them. And I wanted to interrupt it so many times to make it easier on them so they didn't feel the pain because that's uncomfortable. But ultimately, people buy to get out of pain, not into pleasure. That was a really hard lesson for me because the second I pull somebody out of their pain, they don't want to buy. They put their credit card away or you know their checkbook. Put it away because people buy to get out of pain. And so think about that. How often are you pulling people out of pain because you don't want to be in the pain? If that ant man hadn't stood with me and taken the time to walk through all of the different scenarios of insects or pests that were bothering us, I wouldn't have bought the year round program. Now the, the finishing part of that story is the ant man guy, the pest, I call him the ant man. He left. My husband got done with this call. He comes out and he goes, oh, how'd your conversation go? I said, I bought the year-round program. And my husband goes, oh, you got sold. I said, maybe, but I'm super excited about it. So it's interesting that that was his recollection because he hadn't gone through that pain. To him, it wasn't as big of a nuisance. Oh, they'll just go away. But to me, it was really valuable. So hear that difference. Hear that difference. We're going to go on a quick break. When we get back, we've got more. You're listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Talk to you in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. 
wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reason Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and we are talking all about this common sales mistake that's costing you millions, and it's about pain-based selling instead of solution-based selling. And so if you've been saying, gosh, you know what, I have been speaking solution-based and I really get to go to more pain-based selling, then the question you get to ask yourself right now is, what problem do you solve? Now, I've asked a lot of people this question over the years. I've asked myself this question over the years. And oftentimes when we answer that, we're not very clear about it. So this is an exercise that's taken me, I mean, the better part of three years to be really clear on it. And I say that because I want you to know that it's not something, it's an evolution. So how I answered this question three years ago is not how I answer the question today. So when I say, what problem do I solve? For me, it's, I work with the executives, mostly the CEO, who's saying, gosh, I've got all these things I've got to figure out. I'm, I'm really re- leading this complex company. And I could use somebody that's not judgmental, unbiased, that I can just kick around some different thoughts with. Because I'll tell you what, it's really lonely to be in the CEO role. It's very hard to have conversations about constant disruptions in the industry and where you get to go. And when you start to doubt yourself, when you're on this major path forward and you're carrying the vision for this company, and then you say, huh, am I, should I do this? Because guess what? We're all going to hit these roadblocks. But when you hit that roadblock, you got to have somebody to kick around those ideas with. And I'll tell you what, the spouse does not want to be that person. The spouse wants to be your spouse. Yes, your spouse wants to hear about stuff that's going on at work, but the spouse doesn't want to be the person that sorts through all of this with you. Maybe once or twice, but not, that's not their role. They're not an employee of the company that is meant to be your advisor. And so that's the role that I play. So the problem that I solve is there's isolation at that executive role. Now, when we understand the problem that we solve, we get to go one step deeper and we get to say, what's the pain? around that problem. So these are triggers that we're listening for. Once we identify them, we can hear them in other people. So when we're in conversations and we hear that trigger, then we know that it relates to the problem that we can solve. And we can educate other people that these are the triggers to look for. If you hear these in other people, send them my way. And so if we're saying the isolation of being a CEO and not having that sounding board, that's the problem, then the pain around that is somebody who's saying, gosh, I just don't know who to talk to about this. Or somebody that's in a a very fast-paced, moving company, (coughs) excuse me, and they're saying, 
gosh, hey, do you have a second? They're constantly asking for feedback, but maybe they're not getting it. And that's a frustration for them. So I asked my team for feedback, but oftentimes I'm getting people that just nod their heads or I'm not really sure they get what I'm saying. And so these are all triggers for people to say, huh, perhaps having an advisor would be really valuable. So somebody that's been through it before, that would be valuable. So those are some of the triggers that I look for. So those are my clients have those pain points. They want somebody where they can pick up the phone, dial their number, and then that person actually answers. They want somebody that they can text and say, hey, I got a challenge. Do you have a few minutes where I can talk through this? That's really valuable. They want somebody when they're thinking about their strategic planning for the year and they're saying, oh, I think I want to go here, but what would happen if we went here? I saw this happen somewhere else. And could we apply it? What would that look like? But they're not quite ready to present it to their team or even their second in command. And so they want to really just do have a sounding board. But they want somebody external that's not going to judge them. It doesn't have siloed viewpoint thinking. And so for me, that's my ideal client. Now for you, what I'm saying is, are you clear on the problem that you solve? Not the solution that you're offering. Nobody cares about how you do it. And oftentimes we lead with how we do it. Well, I meet with my clients two, three times a month, or they call me whenever they have a need. Nobody cares about that. They don't care about how you do it. What they care about is understanding the problem and the pain. When, you, when they know that you understand the pain that they're feeling, then they will want to work with you. But oftentimes we don't hold people in their pain. And so that is the practice of really understanding what's the problem that you solve? What are the pain points that other people have? And then when, they, when you hear this in other people or when a referral source meets somebody who says, oh, that you have this pain point, you should go talk to this person. When you meet with them, let them be in their pain. Ask them questions about that pain because you know that pain really well. You probably lived it. But one, the other is you see it all the time. And so for this person, it's probably the first time they've experienced the pain. It's very uncomfortable. It's raw. It's real. And for you, you've heard it before. And so there's a normalizing factor when somebody gets to just verbalize their pain and somebody else can say, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. And trust me, everything that you've said today, I've heard before. And there is a way to move through this. Would you like to hear my recommendation? Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Because they know that you understand their pain. And whatever you're going to recommend is matched to that pain. But if you start out with the solution saying, and you don't really understand their pain, they're not buying. They're putting their credit card away. And you just lost a ton of money. And more than that, you lost the ability to support someone. So that just doesn't work. Now, I'm reading this really cool book right now. It took me a few pages to get into, probably about the first 40. But after that, I've been flying through it. It's called The Range. One of my friends introduced me to this, The Range. And this book talks about, it's called The Range, it's called Range, How Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World. And the reason that I love it, it's actually way more analytical than most of the books that I read, but it gives so many different examples. And one of them that it's talking about is how we specialize so early. So if you think about schooling, education, so here in the United States, most of the time we are learning pretty general, basic tracks until about 10th grade. Then once we get into that junior, senior year of high school, we start to get 
more specialized. And we ask kids, what are you going to major in? If you're going to go to college, what are you going to major in? What would that look like? What do you want for a job? And so we trap them into these technical paths. And then once you get to college, if you declare a major right away, you are learning technical skills. Some people all through college. And so there was this test done and it was saying, I wonder how students, so they went to seniors at a pretty respectable four-year university, a state university here in the United States. They said, I wonder how by major, so that's how they classified these students, by major, how well do they do with critical thinking beyond just this general path? So truly critical thinking. So can we see a problem in one area and apply it to another? Now, I find this stuff fascinating, especially because I believe in the principle of how we show up anywhere is how we show up everywhere. That is not just unique to our own personal lives. That's, that's how our companies run. That's how, that's how the world runs. How we show up anywhere is how we show up everywhere, which means if you see something that works somewhere else in the world, it's probably going to apply to your situation. So this scientist, he does this study and he says, by major, which major do you think does the best at critical thinking? And what he found was that all the students that he tested, which were like thousands, all of them failed, <laughs> failed, miserably failed. This is interesting. Then he said, which, if all of them failed, which one did the best? Well, people thought, well, the psychology, they probably do the best because that's kind of the principles of it really looking at this from a broader picture perspective. Nah, they failed. They did. They they did not do well. Business students, maybe they would do well. Nope, they failed too. But you know who did the worst? The neuroscientists, the brain doctors. So my dad, who's a neuroscientist, was on the show last year. Go check it out. It was one of my favorite episodes. It's back in June of last year. But anyway, so my, uh, I asked my dad this question. Why did the neuroscientists do so bad in your opinion? He goes, oh, well, that's really interesting. I think what's happening is that they're trained in such a specific way, which did not used to be how we train neuroscientists or really, really anybody in general, but they're trained to know such a specific challenge that they don't necessarily see the bigger picture, critical thinking. And so I got to thinking about this and I said, well, geez, if this is the case and if what this book is saying is true and what these studies are proving, it's that we have driven ourselves to such specialties that when we look at pain-based selling, of course we're solution-based selling. Like, of course we are. Because all we, all we can see is our one track. And our track, we want people to solve upward. So we're going to give them the solution. Because really going into pain-based selling takes a little bit more of that critical thinking. Now, I believe that we have it. I believe that we have the ability to do that. It's just a muscle that we get to practice. And so the way that you can practice that is by being specific and asking yourself, what problem am I solving? What are the pain points that surround that? And when you answer that question about what are the pain points, know that the pain points might not necessarily be so specific. Remember this book, Range, How General is Triumph in a Specialized World. Understand how those pain points are affecting in a really big way. So something that's happening at work may also be something that's happening. It, it's impacting them at home. It's impacting them with their kids. It's impacting everywhere understand what those pain points are really costing your prospect. Because when you do that, then you got a customer for life because you get them and they know that. So anyway, it's a really interesting book, David Epstein, the range, it's by David Epstein. The book's called Range, How Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World. But I just find it fascinating because the bigger question 
are you a generalist or are you a specialist in the work that you do? Now, this book describes it in more detail, but a generalist, basically, if you think about this in a healthcare world, a generalist would be your family practice doctor where you go in and you say, hey, I've got a challenge and, and they can either solve it or they send you on to a specialist like a cardiologist or you know, a neuroscientist who can treat that very specific thing. But oftentimes you may have seven specialists or 10 specialists consulting, but one generalist. Now where money flows, oftentimes money flows to the specialist, not the generalist, but I see a reverse trend where the generalist is becoming critical. I believe the generalist has always been critical, but we kind of devalued the role of the generalist. And now we're flipping it on its side. We could do a whole show just on this. I find it fascinating, perhaps we'll do that. But today's show, the common sales mistake that's costing us millions is really about us allowing ourselves to hold pain-based selling. And the key question for you is, what problem are you solving? So think about that while we go on this quick break. You're listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Talk to you in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. We've been talking all about this common sales mistake that you're leaving, because you're not using it, you're leaving millions on the table. And ultimately, it comes down to pain-based selling, identifying your problem that you solve, identifying the pain triggers that because of that problem, they create in other people's businesses in their lives. And remember that these, this pain is not just specific to the problem at hand. It actually affects them in every other area of their life. For example, there was one client that I had that I was working with and he ran a, a small uh, design shop and he was super tired. He was burning out in his work ready to sell a shop or walk away from it. Not even, not even caring if he made a dollar on it, but just walk away from it. His marriage was suffering. His kids were frustrated. They were having issues at school. And it all stemmed from dad wasn't present. Dad was super tired. Dad had been constantly creating new versions of himself and reinventing himself so that he could find more clients to serve his business. And so that was the position when he came to me and I spent a total of four hours in pain-based selling over the course of three different sessions, just understanding what his pain was and what it was costing him. And when he was complete in sharing that with me, when he shared all the different, I even gave him an exercise to understand the pain that was costing him. There was no money exchanged at this point. But I really wanted him and me to be clear on the pain that was being caused because of the problem. He thought the problem was that he wanted to get more sales. But the problem was that he was leading this company and his heart wasn't in it anymore. And the real question was, do I sell the company? Do I walk away from the company? Or do I continue on? And that was this question that he kept was underneath all of this. 
And every time he was with his kids or he was with his wife, he was asking himself that question. And you don't have to own the company to wonder this. Just replace it with, should I leave the company? Should I stay with the company? This is a question that a lot of us, as we've gone through these last few years, we're asking ourselves, what do I do? Where do I go next? And it can be really challenging to know that you get to really reinvent the company again. Because, hey, guess what? A lot of us have moved on to Zoom and virtual meetings, and we've created all of these different workarounds for the last few years. And I just saw the latest statistic. 80% of employees are saying no more virtual. I'm over it. And so now we just worked out our companies so that everybody can work from wherever they want. And guess what the trend is? People actually want to come back into the office, but guess what? Oh no, we just signed away most of our leases because two months ago they told us they didn't want it. What happened? Now I got to rework it. Now our priority is how do we get everybody back in the office? These are the reality of the challenges that we're having. Now magnify that on a larger scale with lots of employees. It's a little crazy. And so when we understand the pain, really get deep into our prospects' pain, then they know that we get them. And then they want to buy to get out of their pain. So this is really, really important. And you can do it. And if you have any questions about this, just reach out. Kathleen at KathleenReeson.com. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. And I'm looking forward to talking with you. Now, next week, Next week, we're going to build off of this show. Super cool. We're talking about the, th- the top three ways to be seen as a trusted advisor. So if you're somebody in your role, maybe it is with another person in your company, or maybe you're leading the company and you want to be seen as a trusted advisor to your clients, this is the show to listen to. We're going to talk about the top three ways to be seen as a trusted advisor. So how do you position yourself as a trusted advisor? Because when you're the trusted advisor, you're the one they call when they're in the pain. So you may know the pain today, but there might be tons of other opportunities, there will be, for you to serve your client. But when you're seen as a trusted advisor, they will open up about that. When you're seen as a vendor, they will not because you were there for a very specific problem. Remember, specialized, you came in to handle this task. But when you're seen as a trusted advisor, they see that perhaps you can support in other ways. Perhaps you have a network of resources that if they share with you their challenge, that you could bring more resources to support them because you get them. That's the goal, that you get them. And so next week, we're digging into how do you be seen as the person that people want to come to when they have their challenges. Now, I'm not talking about the complaint fest. We don't want the complaint fest. We don't want to create more of that. What we want is our clients to come to us with their real problems, maybe problems that they can't even identify but they're ready to move through them. The difference between that and complaint fest is complaint fest is victim E. It's saying that I don't know how to solve this and I don't really want to. I just want somebody to listen. And uh, at the end of this, we'll both just hang up and we're good. Or we'll walk our separate ways and that's fine. That's the therapist. Really, that, that's the role of a therapist. But that's not what we're talking about. With trusted advisor, we're saying we understand and have a deep enough relationship that I can tell you the things that are really bothering me and how I grow this organization. And I trust that one, you'll listen Two, it's between us three, you won't judge me. And four, that at the end of this, we'll figure out how we can move forward. If that's at all possible, very different mindset than a complaint fest, no complaint fests. (laughs) That's what we don't want. We don't want to create that. 
But anyway, there is so much that we can, that can share with you on trusted advisors. It's a really fun place that I, I play, and I believe that we all play it in some way. You play it, and we get to put some words around it so that you can really value that role that you play. So that's next week. Top three ways to be seen as a trusted advisor. I've actually been putting the shows together for the next few months, and we've got so much coming your way. So be sure to listen every Monday to the show. We come live here for 55 minutes. We have some guests that are coming on here. I've got one of my friends who opened a uh, leadership development center. It's actually very cool. It's global and it's over in the United Kingdom. So she plays in Turkey, Spain, the United Kingdom, and she's pulled together people of different backgrounds, uh, different languages. even. We've got tons of language barriers there, which that's really cool to talk about. I mean, that's a whole challenge in of itself. We're creating a message that you can't use words to land it because you've got all different languages. And so it's just a really cool environment. And she's leading this movement. So she's going to hop onto the show and all kinds of stuff coming up. So be sure to listen in on everything that we've got coming up here over the next few months. Now, again, today, I want to leave you with one thought. When we're talking about this common sales mistake that leaves millions on the table, you guys know it's a difference between solution selling and pain selling. The question you get to ask yourself and really think about, this is your homework, is what's the problem that I'm solving? And what are the pain points or the triggers that people that have this problem experience? When you can articulate that and know that it's an evolution, remember I've been working on mine for a really long time. And what I would have said three, four, five years ago is very different than what I say today. And you know what? What I say a year from now may be a little bit different spin than what I am at now. It's an evolution and it's okay. And know that. But once you get clear on the problems that you're solving, it's not about the solution that you're offering. It's not even about how you're doing it. Nobody cares how you're doing it. It's about the problem that you're solving. And once you're clear on that, and once you know the pain points, it makes it really easy for you to tell other people what you're up to, what they can do to support you. Because everybody wants to, they just don't always know how. And that's what you're going to offer them and your clients when you get clear on pain-based selling. So thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your time to think through this. What problem are you solving? What are the pain points around that? And what are the triggers related to it? Once you know that, wow, that's success. Then you can go buy that Jaguar if you want. <laughs> All right, I'll leave you with that. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Kathleen Recent Show. Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Have a great week.